0: Welcome. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. Glad you're here. We have a great guest on our show today, His name is MC Lobsher, and a lot of you have heard of him from the Cashflow Ninja podcast. Uh, So we'll get into that interview in just a minute. I first want to let you guys know, as always, that we are here for you. And if you like the show, leave us a review in iTunes. We'd appreciate it. You can also get all of the show notes, our free fast cash survival kit at realestateinvestingmastery.com. And we've got a lot of cool things coming down the pipe in the future that I'm excited about. And so if you want to be notified of these updates and things that we're doing to the podcast and special things that we're up to, then make sure you go to realestateinvestingmastery.com. Get that Fast Cash Survival Kit. Get our list. We'll notify you when we do new episodes and all that good stuff. I got some cool things I'm going to be doing real soon here. I'm going to be talking about doing a series on motivated seller marketing and so i'm going to be coming out with some good free content on the podcast specifically just me teaching not necessarily doing interviews and stuff like that but me teaching some stuff that we're finding that's working really well today And i know you guys are going to like it And if you want to be notified of that stuff as it comes out to get the podcast the audio and the videos then make sure you go to the website realestateinvestingmastery.com to get that stuff and so yeah alex couldn't be with me today Don't know what's up with that guy. No, he's busy. Um, He can't be on the podcast right now. So I want to jump right into this interview with uh, MC. MC Lopsher. uh, A lot of you guys have heard of the Cashflow Ninja podcast. I give MC a hard time because he got stuck in the what's hot in iTunes. (laughs) (laughs) And he he cannot, like, so what's hot, what's new, new and noteworthy. That's what it's called, right? Yes. Uh, you've been new and noteworthy for how long now, MC? Uh,
1: I would say about 12 months. I've been new and noteworthy for about 12 months. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's so funny. That's awesome. Uh, but we met through a mutual friend and uh, I said, MC, let's get you on the show. It'd be cool. And I've been on his show and it was it was a pleasure talking to him. So I want to introduce him to you guys because MC has a really unique approach to real estate investing. And as you can tell from his accents, he's not from around these parts, so he's going to talk a little bit about his story. And uh, super cool guy. MC, how are you?
1: Very well, and yourself. Thank you so much for having me.
0: I'm glad you're here. You have a company called Valhalla Wealth Financial, is that right?
1: That is correct. So Valhalla Wealth Financial, we are a wealth management firm that is operating virtually and servicing clients in uh yeah, in, in all 50 states in the United States, and as you mentioned, I, I'm also the creator and the host of the Cashflow Ninja podcast, which is just a free educational platform available on iTunes, Stitcher, uh, SoundCloud, all these other platforms where uh, I interview uh, cashflow ninjas as such as yourself, Joe.
0: And you're not from around these parts. Where, where are you from, MC? Yeah,
1: so I'm originally from South Africa. I uh, awesome. I was born and raised in South Africa. I grew up in a very, very interesting time in the country's history. Um, president Nelson Mandela was released just before I went to high school and became the first democratically elected president of the country in 1994 w- while I was in high school. So it was a very, very uh, interesting time to, to live in and see all these uh, – Changes and things changing rapidly in that country. So, um, interesting experience. In 2001, I came to the United States. I got a backpack, uh, a suitcase, a sense of uh, adventure, and a sense of humor, and about five hundred dollars. And uh, I played in a city-based rugby league. Uh, It was called the U.S. uh, Super League at that stage, up until 2007, and also played representative rugby. So that's kind of how I I got started here from an investor's uh, point of view. That started uh, uh, around about when I finished university, too, about about 2001, when I came across uh, uh, the little purple book that said Rich Dad, Poor Dad.
0: I was just... I was to recording a podcast this morning, my REI in your car podcast, and I was talking about that book. Uh it's amazing how many businesses and and entrepreneurs have had a huge impact from that book, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I think it's the unique way it was presented too because I think that there was other folks that presented content in a certain way, but I think uh it was uh the way that that Robert that wrote the book was a, a very very easily consumable and really designed to, to uh, just uh, provide that con- uh, context and expand that mindset to then fill it up with content later, right? Yeah, yeah.
0: And guess when that book was published?
1: Uh, what was that, 19, probably in what, 1996, 95?
0: Oh, you're, you're way smarter than I am. It was 1997.
1: Okay. I was thinking it came <laughs>
0: out in like 2000, 2001. But I remember, man, that book took the world by storm. And uh, everybody was talking about it and everybody was reading it. And, you know, we do podcasts, we interview people all the time and like, who was, what was the most influential book? You know, what got you started in real estate or what got you started in entrepreneurship? And over and over and over again, you hear people talking about that book. Too bad the stories weren't true (laughs) that were in it. But regardless, it was a, this, the principles in that book were really good.
1: No, absolutely, and that set me on my path, and I mean, once I think one great thing about that book is at the end of that book, I don't know if it still has it in that, there's been a couple of uh, editions, and updated editions since then, but the first copy that I had had a list of other recommended books in the back, and that kind of, uh, I mean, you start with Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and then all of a sudden, you read The Creature from Jekyll Island. By Mr. G. Edward Griffin. And I mean, then you just, uh, <laughs> then you go down the rabbit hole and you truly try to understand what, uh, what is going on and, uh, see the world from a, in a different light.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So cool. You, uh, you read the book. Did you, you've been in, have you been in the U S
0: since then, since tw-
1: 2001? Yeah, 2001. So, uh, i try to go back as, as much as I can, but yeah, since, uh, in the U S since 2001 and, uh, I actually took action after that book. I bought, I bought my first property in so while I was in South Africa. Wow. Yeah. So a little two bedroom, two bath, a couple of blocks away from, from the beach, uh, a little, uh, condominium, uh, you know, and you think you're, <laughs> you think you got it down and then the lesson starts, right? Well, I was that's what I was
0: talking about in my podcast this morning as I was driving because I bought the book. From that book, I went and bought everything on Amazon or eBay actually that I could find on real estate investing. And I bought all the Rich Dad courses I could get and uh, started buying some homes. But man, I was making a lot of mistakes. And uh, it is easier than it sounds sometimes in, in books. But yeah, it was a great start. All right. So What kind of real estate investing were you doing when you first got started? What was your – what were you most – what were you pursuing? What kind of deals?
1: Yeah, so looking at a single family like that. And then when I came to the United States, Joe, I actually – you know, I kind of joke and I say I wasn't smart enough to know that you have to find a mentor Mm -hmm. and learn from someone. I kind of just fell into this. And uh, this was through the Rugby Network that I came across a very wealthy real estate investor actually in Chicago. They bought up just uh, so much multifamily unit buildings uh, in the city. So uh, I came across this gentleman, started working for them, learning the business from the ground up, uh, doing apartment renovations, painting, maintenance, uh, running maintenance crews to Eventually, doing property management, bookkeeping, uh, leases, negotiating leases, uh, renting apartments, negotiating with vendors for the building, learning the truly the property management side of the business from the ground up, and how uh, business uh, uh, buildings are operated and ran, to eventually. Um, getting my broker's license and, uh, joining his acquisitions team. So this was a, a really, really cool learning experience in the multifamily space, learning how uh, buildings are bought, sold, what to look for, uh, really, really, uh, uh, educational. And I mean, that's kind of the, the, the real estate deals that, I, that I've looked for lately to started small, learned, cut my teeth, right. Um, learned as I went and, uh, yeah, uh, looking at interest and shares in in multifamily buildings. And what I also came across with the real estate is just what other avenues there are to combining and kind of dovetailing investments, uh, vehicles uh, as part of overall strategy. So, really enhanced the way that I looked at um, wealth planning, wealth preservation, legacy planning, and gave me kind of an insight and a view uh, what's going on and what what these wealthy families are doing. Interesting. That's very
0: interesting. So when did you start doing it on your own, buying your own properties then?
1: Yeah, so uh, I would say, well, the first one was right off the bat, right? So I've always been involved in real estate in some some form or another since from I was, uh, 20 years old, 20, 20, 21 years old. So always, yeah, always, always been involved in some way or another, whether it's single family, whether it's an interest in a multifamily, I still have actually a, uh, unit in, in, in Chicagoland and then interest in, in other real estate projects. So I love the asset. I love the cash flow philosophy, which is what I talk about on my show um as well and uh combining different uh different cash flow strategies to enhance uh the qualities um uh, of both assets cash flow what a
0: great topic um and you could we could spend hours you have a whole podcast talking about cash flow i love it when i hear guys talk about and i know matt terrio talks about this a lot and i've heard you talk about it before There's a big difference between, I think this is maybe a Robert Kiyosaki idea, but big difference between streams of cash and piles of cash. Talk about the difference in that, MC, Um, the difference. why, Why is cash flow so important? I mean, a lot of the listeners listening to this, we're out there hustling, wholesaling houses, making big chunks of cash, right? At one time. Maybe go ahead and just state the obvious. Why is cash flow so important to you?
1: Well, you know, there's two approaches and I think I'm going to, uh, take it on with this example, uh, you have a goose (laughs) that you look after, you keep Uh that goose healthy, you feed it, you treat it well, you take care of it. And then eventually you slaughter the goose and eat the goose and the goose is gone. Right. Or do you keep a goose, collect the eggs from the goose, find more geese, as many geese as you possibly can. And just collect, uh, collecting eggs all over from these guys, you know, you touch you touched on a very very important subject matter, and this is one of the biggest kind of misconceptions out there. I think the public, I don't know, really know how to say it nicely, Joe, but they've been duped. We uh, we've been kind of scammed and conned in that way, that uh, you know, we we follow an approach of accumulating wealth and then uh, drawing from it until it's down. And, of course, the other one, as you, as you mentioned, is the cash flow approach. Well, as we've seen out there, the two different models that are, that's out there is that the accumulation model is failing people. It's failing people everywhere. It's benefiting, on the other side, financial institutions mm-hmm. because they want your money. They want your money on a regular basis. Hey, how about every two weeks? From your paycheck, I'll take it, right? Yeah. And then they want to keep your money for 30 to 35 to 40 years. And then eventually, when you need your money, they want to give it back as little as possible and as slowly as possible over time. So those are the guys that win. You know, taking another Kiyosaki kind of concept is there's three sides of a coin, right? Heads, tails, and the edge. So you have to look at the whole thing and say, yes. You know the information that's out there is propagated for a reason because someone stands to benefit and someone has kind of taken advantage of it, and that's one thing that I see every single day uh, in in my firm is just how this this approach and mindset has uh, it's just failed people. You know, it's impossible. It, it's truly mathematically impossible to work for 30 to 35 years to save 10 percent. Yeah. of your, of your salary. And then think you're going to live like another 30 to 40 years, uh, from the, mo- the pile of money that just grew magically in wall street for you. You're going to have that commercials sitting in two uh, two tubs next to the ocean watching the sunset. Well, maybe that's not, that's not a, uh, a retirement commercial, but it is a commercial <laughs> that shows, the uh, shows the lifestyle. But, um, yeah, no, so yeah, I, I see it every day and, and I as you can tell I'm pretty passionate about it because I just see every single day that the people that are focused slowly but surely on different income streams instead of just that pile of money, yeah. they will have the, they will have that retirement. I'll give you a great example and I think you'll love this one. Yeah. There was a client of mine who's a business owner. And, uh, he sold the business, right? So what did he, how did he sell the business seller financing? What's, what's he going to do with the money now? Right. So he works out a deal where he finances the business for the new seller. He gets an income income stream from that selling the business. He still, you know, consults a little bit. He's involved, you know, so he gets, he, 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 that's not, that's an active involvement, but he still gets a check from that now. And again, looking at books, consulting a little bit. And then he owns uh, the building that the business is in. So that's another stream. So two passive streams right there. He likes to be active. He likes to think he likes to help people. He likes to educate and coach. So he's getting a consultancy fee from that too. And then he has a portfolio of real estate properties and, you know, single family properties, commercial properties and other business interests and, and so forth. So those are the folks that, that, they have it set up correctly, and they're going to have the retirement of their dreams, or the uh, they live out their golden years as they as they wanted to. It's the people that purely focused and did everything right. You know, go went to the right schools, maxed out their 401ks. Maybe they did a flip year in there with real estate, pocketed the money instead of putting it back into a cash flow um, uh, asset. They're really, really, really struggling, and um, yeah, I, I see that every day. How that's really, really failed them. Interesting.
0: What are some of your? Let's talk, let's get into the practical details then. Mm-hmm. What are some of the your favorite ways to get cash flow? Is it strictly real estate, or is it other uh, other businesses that you that you like to look at?
1: Yeah, there's different there's there's different streams right now, from. Uh, from a personal standpoint, the first thing that, that I have to look at is where I warehouse my money, and I have to – and that's one way of setting it up through structured insurance contracts where that produces cash flow for myself. I have a place to warehouse my money uh, in an institution that is pretty solid and has excess cash, cash Yeah, I want to
0: wanna ask you more about that uh, later, yeah. but go ahead and finish.
1: Yeah, so that – yeah, that's kind of the baseline – So where I warehouse it, that's cash flowing for me. The asset classes that I put into real estate is a good source for, for monthly cash flow. There's some parts of my business that I work in and other parts of my business, such as affiliates, uh, and uh, basically, you know, you love automated systems. (laughs) So you understand this. There's some parts of affiliate marketing that you can automate and, is providing income for you, basically, uh, you know, quote unquote. It's very cliché, but you don't have to be actively involved. And there are certain days that I w- wake up and I made a couple of sales, and and it's a nice monthly stream of income for myself. I'll give you an example. I fooled around with an idea for my podcast actually to do a show on because um, I wanted to show them that you can take. You know, 150 dollars and start a business from scratch that's earning you about four to five hundred dollars a month in passive income. I started with it down the avenue of a T-shirt online store. Okay. So there's so I bought I bought uh, the domain name. uh, You know that That what what was that? Twelve dollars. I set up a Twitter account, I set up my Instagram account and you know, I've I've used it a tool a software for Twitter, uh, growth that's done really really well for me. I'm not sure if you're familiar with it. It's called CrowdFire app. Mm-hmm. Um, no. So I yeah, so I've engaged and I found people that are interested in buying some of the t-shirts that I wanted to sell. So I market to those folks. That's something that I can automate too. Really truly takes me about Less than five minutes a day, just to run that, to put the, put that system on autopilot, and really without spending uh, spending under a hundred dollars, there is now a a t shirt store on Teespring, which you can upload designs, doesn't cost you any money, list it, market it on social media, providing four to five hundred dollars a month in income. So that's a that's an example of what I mean about. Uh, of kind of like, uh, you know, I don't like to use the the, the passive passive income because it's not truly passive. There's still a little bit of management involved and keeping an eye over it. But something like that where you build a system, it's on autopilot and it's creating a couple of bucks for you. But those are kind of things that I focus on. Um, real estate I've mentioned is something uh, that, that I focus on as well. So those are some of my favorite, favorite parts right now. Parts of my business uh that i that I do and uh, of my podcast is kind of cash flowing in a passive way too, but there's a lot of active involvement obviously by myself, recording shows and so forth and all the the other work that goes along with it um yeah so it's not it's not necessarily passive but it's income streams
0: yeah okay what um I know you will talk about the insurance a little bit we've talked about that before. How does insurance work with real estate? And does it and cuz I've always been confused about this. I've had other people on the show talk a little bit about it. Can you talk about that? And and also there's some um books I've heard you talk about before in the past that kind of teach this concept. Can you talk about that as well? Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, absolutely. The first thing that I'll say about it is when you pair when you use utilize insurance with with real estate, you have to understand that it's a system that you're creating and it's a strategy. So we're taking two vehicles and combining it in a system. So I know that some of your listeners already think in that way, listening to you because you, you systematize a lot of things, which is, which is fantastic. So very long range thinking ahead, systematize this. And the one thing that we teach our clients too is, you know, the most powerful system In on the planet is the banking system. Mm -hmm. And I'll just give a brief example of just how powerful it is. I don't think people realize they they kind of have an idea, but they they don't truly understand. You know, on the one side of a banking system, you have a deposit side of it. And on the other side, you have a lending side. So if I take, a, if, if you know, on the deposit side, we put money into a bank, the bank pays us very little interest, but there's still benefits of having your money into a bank. You know, there's ATM cards, there's online banking, all that kind of stuff. So there's still a little bit of value for us to do it. Otherwise we wouldn't be doing it. Um, and on the other side is the lending side, which we can borrow money from a bank as well. at obviously an interest rate now within a banking system. It's combining these two components, which makes it so powerful. So if I deposit $10,000, for instance, into a bank and the bank pays me a percent, uh, 1% to have it in there, I'm just using round numbers to, to simplify it, the, the explanation, but they're paying me about a you know, hundred bucks, basically. Yeah. On the other side, they can lend out that money. Let's say they lend it out at 10%. Um, they collect about a thousand in in that instance, correct? If they if they lend if they lend it out to a borrower at ten percent, now a lot of people would say, "Wow, that's a pretty cool system." You know, they're making about a nine percent arbitrage in the, in that example. But if you usually you, if you use the numbers and look at the thousand they're getting in, the only money that the bank has in that transaction is the hundred dollars that they pay out in interest. So there's a nine hundred dollar profit that they're making, which is nine hundred percent. This is without uh, the fractional reserve banking. I mean, we're not even talking about all the other stuff that goes along with it. So it's a very, very powerful system. So the way that we use insurance and combining it into our own lives adopts these principles that I just spoke about, about depositing money into a vehicle and on the other side, leveraging that money through lending from it. So we use dividend-paying, whole life insurance with a mutual insurance company. And some folks that have not heard about this concept, their jaws might be dropping right now. I know mine did when I first heard about it. But what this allows you to do as part of a system, especially with investing, scaling businesses, and and so forth, is it allows you on the the deposit side to park your money into an institution that's been around since the mid-1800s. They're extremely well-capitalized. We're talking mutual insurance companies. They're not listed on the stock exchanges. They have a very long-term range and view and vision in their planning. So they don't take any risk that way. It gives you predictable growth. It gives you access to dividends because you're, uh, as a policyholder, you're a shareholder in the company. And it also allows for tax-free growth inside on that deposit side, which is huge. One of the biggest wealth destroyers out there is taxes. Uh, If you're investing in real estate, you understand the power of putting your money into a tax favorable instrument or vehicle. So that's on the deposit side, Joe. And on the lending side, what it allows you to do is borrow uh, some companies up to 95% of your cash value from uh, using that policy as collateral. So you're borrowing the money from the insurance company's general account, not from your own account, like with a 401k or an IRA. Um, And you usually borrow at around 5%, but it allows you to take that money, borrow at 5%, and then invest in an asset such as real estate that is producing a 12% or, you know, in some cases, 15% uh, return. That's where the arbitrage play comes in with the money that you borrow and the return that you're getting. While this is happening on the lending side, that money on your deposit side is still growing with certainty, safety, and predictability. So the same dollar is doing many different things for you at the same time. This is the baseline of the wealth plan and the foundational side that we teach and that we help our clients uh, set up. So using this banking example, we want our clients and, and everyone to think like a bank Okay. And to act like a bank and to be your own bank. So once you have that set up, you can uh, leverage your money to put in, into real estate uh, assets. You know, private lending is a good source of income. Uh, real estate cash flow is a good source of income. Uh, and then on top of that, there's other growth vehicles, non-market correlated stuff that we do too. But I think the big message here to drive home isn't necessarily, you're not just gonna get rich by depositing money into a place. The same way with building wealth, you, you know, you have to have the Robert Kiyosaki, Donald Trump kind of financial IQ just to borrow a ton of money and create wealth, right? But combining the two and the having the same dollar do as many different things at the same time—that's where the power comes in for yourself and, and for your family. The books, you know, a very very good book is "Becoming Your Own Banker" by Mister Nelson, Nelson Nash, and. You know, becoming your own banker, Nelson, uh, Nash said, you know at one of his courses that all of us should be in the banking business. and what he what he what he meant was not necessarily that we should all go out and start our own bank. Yeah. but we should be in the business that we're in, and we should also apply the same principles as I hope I explained in a in a clear manner for your listeners. Uh, within our own financial lives and our own wealth plans
0: when you talk about that i think about okay being in the banking business i think of arbitrage where you you borrow money at a certain percent and then you lend it out at a higher percent and that's how you make your money right that's what the banks are be- basically in the bo- bottom line that's what they're in the business of doing is that right
1: yeah. So, in the principle, if uh, if uh, the way that I look at it is is taking money at a certain interest rate and putting it to work in another place at a higher interest rate is exactly you know what they're doing. They're paying it out. The big part that I think that the 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 big point that I'm trying to make here too is you know you own the system of both of these. You're the depositor and you're the lender, and you uh, you you benefit indirectly because you own the system. The bank, your own "quote unquote" banking system. So the arbitrage necessarily, for me, when I look at the power of this, isn't necessarily what my, my from from my deposit side to my lending side, but the ability to leverage the the dollar, having it doing well. Actually, three because there's a life insurance component to it too. Right? There's the safety and predictability side growing, and then the leveraging side is a third one using that arbitrage between the ability to borrow the money and then putting the money into a vehicle that's getting a higher rate of return. For me personally, it's held me to a certain standard and has made me a better investor because I have to look at exactly what my money is going to do in the vehicle that it's in. And if it doesn't make sense from, that, from the, the standpoint of the arbitrage, I don't uh, execute on it.
0: Okay. So what I still don't understand, MC, is what is – what does life insurance have to do with the banking concept and real
1: estate? It just helps you to uh, reclaim or uh, have a function within your own life where you have a quote, a quote unquote cash flow management system in your own in your own financial life, just like the banks. The real estate com- combining real estate with life insurance. Uh, real estate and life insurance have, have very similar uh, qualities, actually, on both sides of it. I mean, there's the there's the ability to uh, to grow your your equity in it. Um, you've already implemented leverage through it. It's tax advantageous. Uh, so combining the two to the two of vehicles, like uh, most like the wealthiest families are doing in this country, really gives you the best. Of both vehicles and actually helps you uh, elevate the, the the properties of of both of these vehicles okay so you can
0: use life insurance to help you buy property is that right
1: that's correct yeah that's correct
0: and you can also use can you use life insurance use other people's life insurance to buy property like a private investor
1: that's correct so if someone else is out there that has Uh, money into, uh, this high cash value life insurance vehicle, dividend paying whole life insurance, they can actually lend you the money and become a private lender for you to purchase the real estate. It's a, it's a very good Avenue to, to fund your deals, uh, for, for some of your listeners out there. That's looking at, a at looking at sources to fund some of the deals that they have.
0: Yeah. So can you talk a little bit about that? Because I know a lot of – I did a survey to my list recently about um, what are some of your biggest needs? What are some of the things you'd like to learn the most about? And a lot of people said how to get the money. Can you talk about that? I mean, let me just be clear to the people who know me and what I've taught for a long, long time. You don't have to have money to do deals. But still, a lot of people think that they need money to do deals or they want to get money to do deals. They want to rehab they want to do some of the bigger deals. So can you talk a little bit about doing what what you're talking about to find those people that have, let's say, okay, let me put it this way. Let's say I've got a $200,000 house, a house that's worth $200,000 fixed up. I got a smoking hot deal on it. I can buy it for 75,000 and it needs about 30 grand in work. So after all my expenses and all that, I'd be in it for maybe 120 and I could sell it for 200. But I need a I need a private investor to partner with me on that deal, or you know, let's say maybe I can get a hard money loan on it. But I want to I want to transition that out into some to to a um, private investor. And I hear you talking about this life insurance thing, and I think hmm, I know so and so has a bunch of money parked in some life insurance, and they're not probably very happy with their return on investment. Uh, maybe they would be open to getting a better return, investing that money in to this house with me. Am I making sense so far?
1: Yeah, absolutely. That, and it is a great avenue.
0: Okay, so how does that work though? What does is, what is Joe Blow, the average Joe investor, do next if he wants to you know, get, get a private investor to help him with his deal. And this private investor either already has some life insurance or wants to get some life insurance. What are the steps there?
1: Yeah. So he, uh, Joe blow has to go to the, the, he's friend that has money in cash value life insurance and understand that Joe blow is going to borrow it at 5% approximately the money. And that's, that's a good, good, good way to understand from a negotiating standpoint or how you want to bring him on. You can either bring him on as a partner in the deal, or you can have him act as a private money lender and offer him 10%. So when you borrow usually that money from that life insurance uh, company, the payback schedule is very flexible and you set your own payback terms. So for for instance, if you want to bring him on as a partner, he's the money guy. You're the jockey putting this whole thing together. That might be a great way, too, because he can access that money, and he doesn't have to really uh, pay anything uh, except the interest that's due at the end of the year on that loan that he's taken. So and that whole process takes 10 months, for instance. This is one avenue for him. Uh, he doesn't have to make a payment for 10 months. That's what I did with my company when I initially borrowed for my cash value life insurance. So I didn't make a payment for uh, 10 months until my cash flow of my company was in order, and I can start to pay back those loans. So this is a great way to utilize the money, fix it up uh put it on the market, sell it, and then uh split the profits and he can pay back his loan and so forth. From a private lending standpoint, the same thing you can offer him a 10% or whatever you guys come to term, terms with to make it as sweet as possible for him to be able to do that. So the thing about life insurance is the same as real estate. You can get very creative uh, and there's a lot of flexibility some of these mutual insurance life insurance companies see their policyholders as as lifelong clients it's a different feel than the wall street stuff where they you know they try to squeeze every living penny out of you they're willing to work with you there's flexible payback schedules and the reason that there 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 is flexible payback schedules for policy loans Is because you're not borrowing the money that's in your cash value. That's a collateral for the loan that you're borrowing from the insurance company. And there's a death benefit as well. So they're really covered two ways, collaterally for that loan that you're taking. Okay. Very cool.
0: What would you tell somebody then who wants to get more information about this? Where can they go to get more information? Should they contact you? Read some more books? Uh, Because you want to... What's the phrase... MC, how does it go? You want to dig your well before you're thirsty, right? <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> well said. Absolutely. Um, because if you're interested, sorry, go
0: ahead. I, I just want to be real clear about this because if you have a deal right now and you like need money now, this may not be the best thing. This may not be the best, uh, avenue for you right now. Right. It takes some time and thinking about it and planning it. And, uh, this is a very interesting concept. I've heard other guys talk about it before and, um, if you set it up right, it can be a great source of 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 money, private money, uh, for your deals. A fantastic source of private money for your deals. If you if anything, if it's not, if, you know, if you're not wanting to create a, get a life insurance policy for yourself, if anything, this could be a source where somebody you could get somebody who already has insurance or wants to get an insurance policy, and um, redirect them to guys like MC to help them set up this kind of stuff so you can borrow their money to do your deals, right? So this is an important concept to understand if you're looking to raise private money. Uh, so where can people go, MC, if they want more information about this and how to reach you and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, there's they can access a free webinar that I did at CashflowNinja.com forward slash be the bank. There's about an hour presentation in there. I've squeezed as much content as I possibly can in there from an educational standpoint. And uh, if you're interested in learning more about it, Joe, for your listeners, uh, I'll make available a copy. They can reach out to me at info at a copy of Mr. Nelson Nash's book, Becoming Your Own Banker. So just reach out to me and uh, I can shoot you over a Kindle version of the book if you're interested um, in learning more about this as you mentioned this takes a little bit of education and that's a big part of what I try to do with my podcast and with my company is just sure. to educate people to you know it is a it is a it is a, a mindset that has to be adopted of looking at, at differently at wealth looking differently of of maximizing and leveraging your own resources and combining that then with resources uh, of others
0: very good. Finally, MC, what good advice would you give to our listeners to um, get started? I know everybody's in different places, but we're talking about this whole concept of cash flow. Uh, what, what kind of advice would you give to folks?
1: Uh, I would say that the, the first thing that you have to realize, number one, you are your greatest and best asset ever. Um, a lot of people usually ask me, especially, uh, with the, with the cashflow ninja podcast is MC, what do I invest in? You know, how do I create cash flow? The first thing that you have to do is invest in your greatest asset, which is yourself and continuously do that lifelong learning, try to study every single day, set some hours, you know, set some hours aside for studying. We don't become a great golfer or a uh, you know <laughs> a Rory McIlroy or a Jordan Spieth by uh, you know hitting the driving range once a month and and playing you know tw- uh, twice a month we got to do it every day the same thing with uh with creating wealth and building wealth so that's the first thing that I would do the second thing is uh, your net worth eventually equals your, your network, uh, try and find like-minded people out there. There's many different lines, you know, Surround you know, the five people that you surround yourself with, you're going to turn into, or you earn kind of approximately the average uh, income of the five people that you spend the most time with, but network trying to meet people, um, try to, try to help other people, see what other folks are needing. If you're going to REIs and and real estate investment meetups, uh, look at ways that you can help people become, uh, a person of value for them. Uh, and that'll, that'll increase your, your network just right there. If you, if you are sincerely out there trying to add value to other people and trying to help people, you will become that guy in, in your community. And the third one that I'll add is problem solving, try to find problems that you can solve and always try to increase your problem so, uh, solving skills. Creatively think of ways that you can solve some of the problems that not only you have, but other people have. And I think that's when the opportunities are going to come. And that's when you're going to find uh, opportunities uh, that that's going to create uh, cash flow for you.
0: Very good. My goodness. I'm at your website right now. And uh, is there a podcast you have not been on, MC? (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> <laughs> i've been on a couple a couple of shows i've had a lot of folks on my on my podcast as well and that's been the that's been the great learning experience for me yeah, Joe, too yeah. is, it's you know it started with trying to pr- with creating this platform of, of financial education of of sharing what i learn and and the people that i talk to and, and network with but it's uh it's really I mean by trying to put information out there uh, and uh, the the conversations that I have with people, uh, I have benefited immensely myself learning uh, and getting to meet uh, uh, amazing people such as yourself.
0: Well, just do me a favor and put this podcast on the top of your page right
1: Which, at the top.
0: yeah I got a cash flow diary best real estate investing advice ever um mike uh, i could just go on and on and on epic art of passive income clayton morris you've got just a ton of them here that's awesome good for you that's really good and i'm looking at your podcast you have uh you interviewed uh, robert kiyosaki it looks like right one of your uh one of your early episodes
1: yeah i did uh robert i've had robert kiyosaki on the show jim rogers i uh, um, been on there, Harry Dent, a couple of Peter Schiff. <laughs> so I have people with different uh, opinions, different viewpoints, different personalities, which keeps it interesting. It's not always the same. I don't necessarily just have one message on there. There's many different viewpoints. And, uh, you know, that's that's how I, how I learned, too, yeah, that's uh, personally.
0: That's really good. Well, um, I'm looking at your episodes here. You got some really good stuff really good if you had Ken McElroy recently, the ABCs of real estate investing. I was just looking at his book on Amazon and, um, you've got 155 something episodes. The last one, what would the Rockefellers do? I love it.
1: Yeah, that's, that was Garrett Gunderson. Yeah. So, uh, there's, there's a ton of, uh, con- content. It's, you know the the same with your stuff too joe you're probably looking at it and going "Wow!" through the years all the different episodes and oh yeah uh, yeah it's 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 the same thing so there's a there's a lot of a lot of things on there and uh, a lot of people sharing different messages in different ways how to create uh, how to create cash flow um a recent guest that episodes that haven't been aired i have had roger veer on there uh one of the the first investors in bitcoin and first uh, Bitcoin oh, yeah? startup investors. But I also, yeah, so I also interviewed uh, Tone Vase is a, is a big name in Bitcoin. I recently interviewed him. His episode's going to be on there. That's obviously a space that a lot of people have interest in. I have myself. I have no idea what's going on there. But the more I learn, the more fascinating it is. So I get to engage with folks like that. There's folks on there that, Teach how to cash flow, gold and silver. I Minesh mean, Bendy from Gold and Silver for Life has been on there. So there's a, a, well, a, a range of people from agricultural uh, investment opportunities for cash flow, real estate, paper assets, stock trading, options trading, crypto space, all that kind of stuff. So it's it, it has been fascinating connecting with all these folks from different industries. And, you know, I'm like the kid in a candy store when I, when I interview folks. <laughs>
0: Well congratulations on being such a prolific podcaster and being on new and noteworthy for so long. if you could figure out how i could <laughs> uh,
1: that's amazing yeah that that was uh that that was something
0: <laughs> in fact i'm looking i'm gonna open up iTunes here in a minute but the uh i I talked to somebody i think I told you this already but um I talked to somebody who knows somebody one of those things right in the who worked for Apple. And Apple is aware of the issues that they're having with podcasting rankings. And um, it's just something that's not on the high priority list. You know, how much money do they make from hosting pod- putting podcasts on there? None. Right. Uh, so it's not something that's high on their list of projects to work on, you know. But, um, yeah, there you are. Right there. <laughs> uh, new and noteworthy for a year. I see you there. That's Awesome.
1: 13 months. Uh, yeah. So for the listeners out there that don't know, Apple had a little bit of a problem. So I think when my podcast usually was like, what, 56 days, Joe, that you stayed on New and Noteworthy yeah, and then was you kind a, of one fell or two off? Yeah, it
0: was one or two yeah, months.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I guess I have been frozen in time, but it's, uh, <laughs> it's a good thing. It's been a good thing. Yes. This podcast <laughs> is
0: on the What's Hot podcast, which is awesome. We've yeah. been on there for a while. Now, I don't know if it's because we're frozen as well in time. But I do see more movement on the what's hot than I do on the new and noteworthy. Um, but good for you. You've got a great podcast. Um, got some really good po- uh, po- um, episodes and and people that you've interviewed. So congratulations. And uh, if people want to get more information about you, cashflowninja.com. And you did a free one-hour webinar, I think you said, at cashflowninja.com slash be the bank, right?
1: That's right. Cashflowninja.com forward slash be the bank.
0: And if people want to email you, uh, talk to somebody in your office, info at cashflowninja.com. Is that right?
1: That's correct. They can, If they're interested in a Kindle version of the book, I can forward them a link uh, on Kindle for that and get oh. them a Kindle book
0: which reminds me by the way I'm looking here at the re, at the rankings now on top podcasts in iTunes <laughs> and there's number 2 and number 3 right now under business I met those guys the other day and you know how they keep their podcast at number 1 and uh, number 2 and 3 is they drive Facebook ads and Google ads to their actual Amazon to their actual uh, iTunes links <laughs> so it's not a even
1: bit a, of the tricks of the trade oh yeah
0: so all right anyway sorry Info at CashflowNinja.com, CashflowNinja.com slash be the bank. And MC, I appreciate you being on the show. Best of luck to you, man.
1: Thank you so much for having me on, Joe. And it's been a blast connecting with you. I learn learn from you uh, and continue to learn so much. So keep up the great work. Thank you.
0: Thanks, man. Hey, guys, go to RealEstateInvestingMastery.com to get the show notes. If you like this show, leave us a review on iTunes. Appreciate it. In fact, I need to go see here who has more reviews, me or MC. Oh, yes, we still do. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm a little competitive when it comes to reviews. So if you like, listen, though, if you like MC's podcast, leave him a review. Go to iTunes, leave him a review in iTunes. Um, that He would appreciate that, and he deserves it. Uh, thanks, MC.
1: Thank you.